Thank you, Lord. That worship was good this morning, wasn't it? I want to thank the early brothers and sister-in-law and wife and the bass player. He's, he's not part of the family, right, the bass player? Ed, Edwin? Edwin, Lord bless Edwin. He did a great job. Who? Junior? Okay, well, Junior, wherever you, where's Junior at? Oh, there's Junior over there. Good job on the bass, Junior. Yeah, we really enjoyed that. That was great. I love to worship the Lord. Amen. Amen. Looking for Jacob, Jacob early to fix us. Yeah, it's always great when families can worship, like on a worship team or stuff like that. There's always some kind of other anointing that seems to happen when family members are together. Have you ever noticed that before? It's like it goes up a level. I guess they know what each other's going to do somehow, just automatically. They kind of know where each other's going. And you know, I was always wondering about Jacob and his brother here, Aaron. Is about when they got in fights when they were younger. Who won? Jacob. Who won, Jacob? You were meaner. Matter. Yeah. So you won. And then he got, <laughs> then he got afraid. <laughs> oh, he was more devious. <laughs> yeah, I can remember when my brother, who's he's probably ten years older than me, I remember getting in fights with him, literally, and him holding me like, and me just swinging madly at him. You know, just face blood red, so furious with him, and him just, I can sort of imagine y'all two doing that now. <laughs> Ooh, thank you, Lord. All righty. Let's just look at Psalm 8920 here. And so last week, if you remember, I was talking about King David, the heart of David. And that's the heart, uh, you know, the Bible says, 8920, I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him. And I was really just searching the Lord's heart about why the Lord chose David. Uh, and I've... A lot of people, a lot of preachers and commentaries, and the reason is is because that was the heart that pleased the Lord, okay? And a lot of the preachers and commentaries uh, that you would read give you a list of great attributes about David, like his, you know, he was brave, he was uh, faithful, um, you know, he was passionate about the presence of the Lord. I mean, a lot of great attributes. The problem with all of that is, is all of that became a reality in his life later in life, okay? David was probably one of the, he was probably, no, he was probably not the bravest man in Israel when the Lord selected him. He was probably not, he didn't probably have a passion for the Lord like he did later in life when the Lord selected him. So I don't really believe, uh, because what that says is we've got to become courageous. We've got to become passionate. We've got to become whatever so the Lord will see our hearts. And, and, and that's really not the heart of the Father. Uh, so I wanted to look at this just for a minute because I really think there's something that God really wants to impart to us. So I wanted to go back and read this story in 1 Samuel 16 when, the, when David was first anointed. Everybody knows this, this is a very famous Bible story. Um, and if you've been in church very much, you've probably heard it a few times. 
Uh, it's been a few years since we've actually read this story in this church, though. I realize that, at least since I have. So I wanted to read. So there was this, you know, gathering of of people, of elders, and Samuel the prophet gathered uh, David's family for a, a gathering because the Lord sent him to to anoint a new king over Israel. And the Lord told him to go to Jesse, David's dad's house, because there one of his sons would be the king. And so Samuel went to the house, and, it, and picking up in verse 6, it says, So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab, that was the oldest brother, and said, Surely the Lord's anointing is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's really powerful, isn't it? So, you know, right away that could really apply to everybody in this room, right? Because nobody in this room really looks really good except maybe me and Becky. (laughs) Just kidding. Becky does for sure. And there's a few other women do, but mostly people like Dean are ugly and... Let me just tell you this story right quick. Okay? I've got to tell you this. There is a woman in, in, in Wilmington, North Carolina that looks just like Dean Stein. I'm serious. I was in a restaurant, and I thought, hey, there's Dean over there. And I got up and was walking over there. And when I got about as far as here from Dean, I realized it's a woman. It's the truth. Now, that was an ugly woman. I'm sorry, but she was ugly. Then, I'll tell you another thing, there's a guy named Herb Dean that also looks just like Dean Stein. I saw him on TV recently. In fact, but the problem is, this guy has dreadlocks just like Marlon, and his skin is the same color as Marlon, but his face looks like Dean. I laughed so hard when I saw that guy. I thought, this is terrible. A black man that looks like Dean, that somehow God had a bad sense of humor that day. I don't know what he was thinking. But seriously, God made a man look like Dean, and he made a woman look like it, and he made a black guy look like it. You know, God really has a great sense of humor, doesn't he? Anyways, it's the truth. And you know what the guy, the black guy's name is? This is ironic. His name is Herb Dean. <laughs> Herb Dean. <laughs> in fact, I sent the in a text for Unikin or Herb Dean. <laughs> they should be. So, anyways, so the Lord doesn't look at outward appearance. Aren't we glad, Dean? <laughs> Me and you both. Anyways, no, uh, you know, Lord bless Dean. I love him. He knows how to do. And so, anyways... So Jesse called the next brother, Abinadad, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made Shema. Boy, these guys had some names, didn't they? He made Shema, Shammah, or whatever. How you ever say it if you were... Huh? Here. He made here pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel... And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are, are all the young men here? Then he said, There remain, remains yet the youngest. 
Now, uh, that word youngest there, it, it can also mean other things besides youngest in age. It can, and it really probably means here, the least of the brothers, the least esteemed of the brothers. And so that was David. I think I mentioned to you last week that David had a very uh, questionable past. Possibly he was an illegitimate son, not part of the family, uh, having a different mom than the other boys, and therefore he was sort of left out of the... His family didn't think that God would certainly want to use him. And he says, there he is keeping the sheep. He was out on the sheepfold. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes, comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, ruddy. With, I think that means red-haired, right? Yeah? Because Andy told me that one time, that he wanted to make sure I knew that. I was red-headed, Byron. Sort of Irish-looking, right? With bright eyes and good-looking. I think that was the part Andy was really trying to emphasize. <laughs> if y'all knew Andy, you would know, right? And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. So the Lord chose him. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord um, came upon David from, from that day forward. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And, and never left David, the Spirit of the Lord. So here's some, just some thoughts about this. Number one is why did the Lord select David? One is when, when God's looking for somebody... It's not the human, he absolutely goes against human reason. It, it, there's not a human factor that God uses when he looks at a person. He doesn't look at a person and select that person based on anything that human about that person. Their intelligence, their looks, their background, none of that really matters to the Lord. You could have the greatest family line there is and God still not select you. Uh, or you could have the worst family line there is and God would select you. So it's not based on human reason. And, and another thing is I believe, now this is what I believe, that you can't really uh, confirm this 100% through this story, but you can throughout the Scripture, is God's choice of a person is conditioned upon a person's response to the Lord. In other words, everybody, if you're in Christ, you have been, you've been called. God's called us all. I imagine this was not the first time that the Lord had spoken to David's life. I imagine that David had some encounters with the Lord before he was before everybody that day. And because he responded somewhere when the Lord re approached David, somewhere out in the wilderness or somewhere where nobody was around, David responded to the Lord's and see, that's really one of the key things that I really believe that God's looking for in people is people who will respond to him when he approaches them, okay? And, and I believe that's one of the main things. I wanted to read this Revelation 17, 14. Have you ever noticed how some people can have encounters with the Lord? I mean, real experience with the Lord, but it never seems to go anywhere in their life. Have y'all ever noticed that? Is that not sort of a mystery how God could touch somebody so powerfully, yet they don't change. They become nothing else. They live the way they've always lived. And I believe it's because God has approached a person like that and touched a person, but they never really in their hearts responded back to God. In other words, it was, it was just an experience in their life that they had that they enjoyed in the moment, but they never responded back to the Lord in that moment with their heart where God could really do something, begin to do something with their life. 
And this scripture in Revelation 17, 14, this is talking about the, you know, latter times. It says, there will be these, you know, being the enemies of the Lord, will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings. Amen? Amen. Let's say that. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. That is really good. And those who are with Him, and those who are, let's say, those who are with the Lord. Okay, this is are called, chosen, and faithful. In other words, everybody has a calling, but not everybody's chosen. Okay, you, you do the choosing. It's, you know, you do the choosing. In other words, your response to God is when He calls you is to respond to Him, and He'll choose you. But you've got to choose Him and choose what He's saying to your life for him, for you to really have this kind of thing with God like David had. I believe that's the only condition that God's looking for in our heart. Is I'm, he's saying, I'm looking for people, and when I call out to them, they'll say, here I am. Like, remember, Isaiah said that in Isaiah 6. Uh, here I am. He overheard, he overheard a conversation with the Lord amongst the Lord's self when the Lord said, who are we going to send? He said, here I am, Lord, send me. Okay? And so God's looking for people who have that kind of heart. When He reveals Himself to them, they, res- they respond back to the Lord. Here I am, Lord. You know, uh, it happened again in the Scripture when Samuel himself was called by the Lord. You know, he was a little young man, a little boy, and he was living in the house of Eli the priest, who at that time, Eli wasn't a really a good priest. He was an old, heavy, almost blind man, uh, and his sons were wicked men, the priests of Israel. They were wicked men, you know, doing bad things, you know, extorting people and, you know, doing all kinds of terrible things. And, and Samuel wound up being in this, this house with this man. And in his bed at night, the Lord called, called his name. And he got up. It's, the Bible tells us he got up out of bed and went to Eli and said, what do you want? And he said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. I mean, I can imagine first I'm like, you're hearing things, you know. Have you ever heard your name called at night? You know, it may be the Lord calling you. How many people have had that experience? You've heard your name called at night. It's the Lord, I believe. I've heard my name. It's a good thing to say, here I am, Lord. You know, send Becky. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the Lord's dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so that happened to him again, and Eli knew at that moment, this is the Lord speaking to him, and, and he, he told this little boy, the next time you, he says that, just say, here I am, Lord. And that's all he did, and he became this prophet priest himself, a prophet over the nation who set kings in order, set the kings in Israel, and took the kings down. Okay, that's how powerful of anointing he got. From, for what reason? Because he made a simple response to the Lord. He just said, here I am, Lord. That's all really the Lord's really looking for in people. That's, that's the heart condition that He's looking for in you and I, that we would just respond to Him. I'll tell you, many people, many people don't respond to the Lord, okay? Many people run from the Lord, okay? Many Christians don't respond to the Lord. When the Lord's presence comes, you see Christians, some people, they back away when the presence of the Lord comes instead of, instead of stepping into it. It's the truth. And you see, whenever the presence of the Lord shows up anywhere, it's an invitation to us. It's always an invitation. It's always an invitation for us to step into Him and not step back from Him. 
And that's all God's looking for. He's not looking for you to do anything spectacular. He's not, you know, going to necessarily want you to go somewhere or do something. He may at some point in your life. But all he's really looking for is just somebody to step into him and say, Here I am, Lord. That's all. I'm, I'm here with you. Whatever you want for my life at this moment. So, you know, so David got this anointing from his life because he responded to the Lord. And it says the Holy Spirit came on him at that moment. And he, so I believe that was the thing that as David began to, to live his life from that moment on, the Holy Spirit was on him. See, that, the Holy Spirit was the thing that enabled him to become David, to become this great, courageous person, this great person that was passionate about the Lord. It wasn't something that David had inherit in himself. Are you, are you following this? It was something that when God, he just responded. He responded when he was, he probably was even ignorant of really what was really going on. He just made a response, a move towards God. And God made a move towards him and began to anoint him and put something on him that created something in him, created this desire in him for this God who anointed him. And it caused him to love the presence of the Lord. I'm convinced of this. People who don't really love the presence of the Lord, they don't have the Holy Spirit anointing on their life. Because if we really have this anointing on us, we're going to be passionate about God. Because spiritually, I've said this a hundred times probably, is like attracts like in the spiritual world. You know, and you know, the natural men like women and women like men. That's really the natural order that God created. But spiritually, it's not like that. Spiritually, I don't like demons. They're the opposite. I like the presence of the Lord. Why do I like it? Because God has put His Spirit on me. And, that, and we are attracted to the same thing. And guess what? They, the spirits, the, the angels, the Holy Spirits are, are attracted to to the Spirit of God on us. And so that's really what, how this thing works. And that's why this thing came into David. This thing of desire that came into him where he was wanting the Lord. This is the secret. Okay, I believe this is David's secret to his life was the anointing of the Holy Spirit that came on him that day. Now... I mentioned to you last week in Romans, I think it's Romans eleven twenty nine or something like that, it says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. In other words, God gifts everybody. He gives everybody callings, and He never takes them back. But there's this anointing that has to come for your gifts and callings to work. Okay? If you don't have this anointing, it doesn't matter how gifted you are or how much calling you have in your life, it's just going to be kind of dead. Right? I mean, it just ain't going to have that life. It's not going to release life when, you, when you're using that gift. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everybody's, everybody who's got a gift, who's used it, there's been times when it just felt dead to you. And it felt worse dead to the people around you. <laughs> and why? Because there was no anointing on you. And, there's a lot of, and we can lose the anointing. We really can. You see, listen to this. This Psalm 51, verse 11. And let me just say this before I read this to you. This is not talking about Christians losing their salvation. Or because, you know, this is not what God does to people. I don't believe, ultimately, David was talking about God taking the Holy Spirit from him. And God, David was talking about the high value that when he fell into sin, he was saying, Lord, listen, he, the two most important things in David's life, he told us, don't, take, don't cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. 
Okay, what he was saying was those are the two most important things in my life, the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. He said, you can take everything else, Lord. You can take the kingship. You can take the castles. You can take all the gold, all the money. You can take all my military victories, but don't take those two things from me. Because if I don't have those two things, I'm, I'm lost. I have nothing. And see, that's the kind of heart God wants to put in the church. That we would say to the Lord, don't, Lord, we will give away everything if we can have the presence. Okay? We'll give it all for the presence. We'll give it all for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because we can have all those things, right? And be Christians that are unfulfilled and dead in our lives. And see, that's, I believe that's why the Lord said, I found this person who values what I value. Who values the thing that I have placed the highest value on. And God's looking to build that into our lives. He's looking for people who can say, Lord, I'm available for that type of anointing. I really am available for it. And so God is, is offering the church, I believe in this hour, that anointing. I'll tell you something. You know, I think it's been said many times that during a time of disappointment and during a time of heartbreak, frustration, loss, is one of the highest times when you can give God something that you can give Him in no other, no other time. It's, it's worship. Yeah. And, you know, in the end, I'll tell you this. This is really the truth. I believe this with all my heart. The only thing we really have to give God is worship. Yeah. I mean, truthfully. Yeah. Truthfully. Yeah. When, we really, when it really, at the end... At the end of the day, like that song says, at the end of the day, let me be singing. Let me, Lord, you know what? I can give a lot of things to the Lord. But you know, I don't think the Lord really cares about a lot of things. I can say, Lord, I got my preaching to give to you. And I think he'll say, really? I can out-preach you any day of the week, Byron. Why are you going to give me something like that? I don't want your preaching. You know, I want that heart of worship. That's what I want. I'm looking for people who have that heart in them. I believe that's the greatest thing we'll ever give God is the worship. And people who know His presence, people who know that anointing of the Holy Spirit, those, there's going to be a worship that's going to break forth in your life. And I really do believe in the end, the truth is about us, is God really looks at us and sees us as worship. Not that just, it's not just something we do, it's something we are, it's who we are. And I think that's one of the highest levels of identity that we truly have, is we're worshipers. Are y'all following this? And God's looking for people who have this same kind of heart as David. Not that we're worried about losing our salvation, not that we're worried about God taking His presence away from us, or taking the Holy Spirit away from us, but we're saying, Lord, that's the thing. That's the thing. Is we need the anointing, Lord. And we want to be in your presence. We want to feel your presence. We want to sense your presence. We want to become more aware of your presence. That's what we want. We want you to energize us and open us up where your world becomes a more reality to our world. And that's the heart that the Father has. That's why He says, I'm seeking out worshipers. I'm looking for that heart. And he didn't say, I'm looking for worship. He said, I'm looking for worshipers. Now, if God the Father is looking for the worshiper, we have to ask the question, am I a real worshiper? If that's what he's looking for, truly.
He's not looking for preachers. He's not looking for prophets. He's not looking for evangelists. He's looking for worship. The Father never set up in heaven. like, oh, i got to find an apostle. Uh, Y'all want an apostle? i got apostles. You know, one time, a few years ago, I had this situation to arise in the church with the worship leader in the church, the head elder in the church, and one of the you know, up-and-coming young leaders all came to me and said, well, we, we feel like God's calling us to go somewhere else and do something else. And it was a little distressing to me. I mean, that's sort of a big blow, you know, right? And you know what the Lord said to me? I got worship leaders coming out of my pores. I got elders everywhere. I got a load of up-and-coming leaders. What you worried about that for? In other words, what God was saying, that ain't really, that's not important. That's not really important. I've got all that. that none of that's important. What's important is I'm looking for worshipers. That's what I'm looking for, Byron. Is that what you're looking for? Or are you looking for elders and worship leaders? No, no, you need to be looking for worshipers. You need to be looking to find yourself to be a worshiper. That was a good revelation. So, um, also, one thing I think about the anointing that's really important is um, God can anoint you for a specific thing for a specific amount of time, and then that anointing could be gone, he, that anointing lift, and that doesn't mean you did anything wrong. There's a uh, pretty famous, and I would tell you who he is and all this, but I would need to ask him, but he, this Christian artist, uh, musician, worship leader, uh, got involved in this move, and it was very powerful what he did. In fact, he, his worship leading, his songwriting, put wheels on that move and brought people from all over the world and brought so much energy into this move of God. It was incredible what, how the Lord used this guy. It was just an amazing worship this guy did. And, you know, and then over a period of time, he left and, you know, moved on with his life, did something else with his life. And the ministry asked him to come back. Let's come back and recapture, you know, what you did and pick up where we left all that. And his point was, I can't do that again. I don't have an anointing now to do that. God gave me an anointing for that season. And when that season was over with, I didn't have that anointing no more. That man had the wisdom to recognize when the anointing was gone in his life for what he was doing. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't because of sin. It wasn't because of a bad thing. It was just the Lord used him, anointing for what he did. When the assignment was over, the anointing was over. And God will anoint us for special assignments in our life. And if they are temporary assignments, that anointing will end when the assignment ends. And so we have to become sensitive to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Understanding the anointing of the Holy Spirit is telling us what is giving us indication that we're in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time. And when the anointing starts lifting on us, we can begin to understand that there's an adjustment that God is trying to make in my life. And that's really important. So you see, you can lose an anointing on your life, and it doesn't mean you've sinned. It just means that God has something else for you. Okay, but we have to become lovers of this anointing, that we love this anointing so much that we are paying attention to what the anointing is doing, and we're not paying attention to what everybody else is doing and saying. We're paying attention to this thing that's on us. It's a picture, the unction, 
The unction. That's what Becky said. Y'all know what the unction is? You got a fu- Arthur Burke's little saying, you got a function from the unction. I, somebody said to me, what kind of jibber-jabber is that one? Somebody said that to me. So I showed it to them in the Bible. It's actually in the Bible. But we, each one of us have an unction from the Holy One. And Arthur said, you just function from that. That's how you operate in life. Yeah, and he does. That's right. He totally <laughs> operates from that. In the New Testament, Jesus was baptized, and the dove came and sat on him. Okay? The Holy Spirit dove came and sat and rested on Jesus. That's a picture of what David was saying when he said, don't, uh-uh, don't take this dove off of me, Lord. This dove is everything to me. I want to live my life with this dove. I'm paying attention to this dove. That was a picture that was given to us to see something of what what we're looking at in life, what we're putting our focus on in life. Are we paying attention to what this dove is doing? Is this dove happy? Is he settled? Or is he restless at him wanting to move off on us? And that's when we know something's, something's askew in our lives. Now, David, you know, he did have this time when he fell, okay? He had this time when he fell, and he really, you know, went through this time of getting, getting things right because it says he was anointed with, everybody say this word, holy oil. You see, we're talking about something that's holy, okay? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, listen, I'm going to tell you all something. When the Holy Spirit starts moving, instead of getting up and leaving the room, you should say there's something holy happening. I may not understand it. I may not even like it. I may not even appreciate it, but I'll tell you something that's holy. And I'm not going to take my life into my hands when God's doing, when the Holy Spirit is moving, and I'm going to sit there in judgment of it. Right? And people do that all the time. And it's a big mistake. It's a huge mistake in your life. Now, you can say, well, people are acting like fools. People are acting like fools when the Holy Spirit's not moving. You know, so I, my opinion is I'll take people acting like fools when he is moving over when they ain't moving. Because then I can blame it on him and then I won't have to mess with it. Like, well, he did it, so he needs to fix it. Right? You know, because, you know, people are going to overreact or underreact when the Holy Spirit touches. Everybody's going to act different. There's no set way. It just depends on who you are. And some people may act in a way that you don't appreciate, honestly that may seem out of control to you. And it, they may be out of control. They really may be. They may be 80% in the flesh, but they may have 20% of the Holy Spirit working on their life, and you're sitting there with your 2%, judging somebody with 20%. They've got 18% more than you. It's like, you should, I should need to go get some of this. I need, to get, I need 18%, at least 18% more. Right? Now listen, so we need to emphasize holy. We don't need to mess around with it. God doesn't appreciate sin. He doesn't appreciate people making fun of him. In the, in the Bible, people mocked, mocked the, the, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out in the Spirit. God does not appreciate any of that kind of stuff, especially from his, from his people, because it's given to help us. It's given to, ch- to change our lives. It's given to do something for us. He didn't say you've got to love everything about it. You don't have to embrace everything about it, but you do need to embrace him. And you do need to honor the anointing above everything else. And when God anoints a person, I mean, he can anoint some people that you wouldn't anoint. I mean, you would anoint them with a face slap, right? That's how you like them. I like to slap them. That's the kind of anointing I like to give them. But they, if you see the anointing of God on you have to honor that. You have to. You, we don't have any choice. I don't care if, what, if, 
David had an anointing on him, and he set up a man to be murdered. He had an anointing on him, in, uh, and, he got, and he got a the man that he had set up to be murdered. He already had the wife pregnant. Like he had already done all this devious stuff. But God never ultimately removed that anointing off in David. Ultimately, he never did. It stayed on him because David realized, hey, I've messed up here. I've got to get things right with God. I've made a big mistake. And he paid for it. I'm not saying he didn't pay for it. Okay? But the Bible says at the end of David's life, he died an anointed man. He died an anointed man because in the end, that was the most valuable thing to him. And God honored that desire and that hunger in him for the presence. Now, actually, David was anointed three times in the Bible. Most of you know this. And the um, first time he was anointed, what I just read to you. See, so this being anointed is not a one-time thing, okay? He was anointed again. He was anointed when his first anointing, he was 17 years old when he got that anointing to be king. Is anybody in here 17? Raise your hand. Any 17? Well, there's a... Well, see, here's some 17 years old. Stand up, 17-year-olds. Let's just get a look what David could have been. Listen, uh, and the greatest prophet in the nation came to a boy or a girl or a young man like that and anointed him and said, You're the king of Israel. Okay, so you guys, you can be something today. God can say something to you now about your life. Well, you don't, it's no pressure. Okay, this is not about pressure. This is about opportunity. Okay, because when God anoints you, it ain't you doing it. It's not you having to try to do it. It's something working in your life. All right, so David got this anointing, but he, nobody came to David that moment and put him on a throne. In fact, there was another guy sitting on the throne. The very next verse in 1 Samuel 17, it says that when the Spirit of the Lord came on the day, it said the Spirit of the Lord left that man and God sent an evil spirit on him. I know that bothers people, but that's what it says. And he was plagued by a spirit. Well, here's my interpretation of that, just in case you're wondering. I know you're not, but a lot of people wonder about crazy things. Well, you take the Holy Spirit off of a person's life, there's a void. Right? So when we don't have an anointing, guess who's sitting back? I've got an anointing for you, Byron. Since the Holy Spirit's not anointing you, I've got another anointing. It's the devil. He has an anointing. And so when, he, when that spirit of Jesus was gone off and saw, there was another spirit waiting to jump on him. And that man became a very tormented man. And David, that's actually how God used to get David in there because David was a musician, could play music. Calm his crazy heart, even when he was throwing spears at him. So, are y'all all right? You know, just looking at, I know you're thinking about why would God do such a thing. Anyways, so David had this anointing on him, but nobody was asking him to be king. In fact, the king who was in charge was thinking, I'm going I'm to kill this guy. Especially after everybody started liking David after he killed Goliath. So David spent 13 years running away here's the king the person that god says you're the king you're anointing he spent 13 years running trying to keep his life he lost his family he had to get his family he had to get his mom and daddy and his brother he had to get everybody and take them take them away take them to another country david, let me tell you something At one point david acted like he was insane before uh the philistine kings he had slobber running down his beard they were making fun of the king of Israel. 
They were poking fun. Look at this guy. We're not. He was doing it because he was afraid. He was scared. He had nowhere to go. Uh, Saul was after him. So he went to the enemy and acted like he was insane so they would let him stay there. I don't necessarily think God approved of that myself, but that's what he did. That's how desperate state he was in. And then he wound up in a cave hiding. Y'all remember that? Now, this is the king of Israel. This went on for 13 years of his life. 13 years. And the last thing that really happened to David was he, was, he had hooked up with the Philistines. He was lying about it. The Philistines were the enemy. And they were going to go to war with Israel. And they said, David, we do not trust you. That's what they said. We don't trust you. You cannot go to war. They just totally just booted him. They were right for not trusting him because he was tricking them. He was lying and doing all kinds of stuff and behind their back. So they were, they were sort of wising up on him. And David wound up, this is what happened to him. He wound up going, uh, this, there's a city called Ziklag where his family was located, his wives and all the family of the people who had gathered around him, the 400 mighty men of valor, okay? They had all their stuff, their children, their wives in this city, and these Philistines, no, these Amalekites, attacked this city, burnt the city down, took their children, took their wives, took all their stuff into captivity, okay? David and his men arrived at this burning, smoldering thing, realizing what happened. His men were absolutely furious with him, so furious that they decided, we're going to kill you over this, David. Now, listen, these guys were not pushovers. These were guys, some of these guys had killed, like one guy killed hundreds of people himself. That's how bad these guys, these guys knew how to fight. So when they were telling David that they were going to kill David, David was probably thinking, these guys can kill me. Especially, there's a bunch of them and there's only one of me. Even if I could beat the best one one-on-one, which David probably couldn't, they were going to kill him. And David was scared to death. It says the men wept so hard that they couldn't weep no more. They'd lost all their energy from weeping. That's what the Bible tells us. Okay? And so, and then you know what it says, an interesting thing. It says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. You see, he had been rejected by everybody. Everybody had rejected David. Now, down to his own men. Down to his own men. He was a total reject in life. And it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. In other words, he said, you know what? They, he even said that at one point. If my mom and daddy even forsake me, I will trust in the Lord. That's what he said, because his mom and daddy did forsake him and reject him. And so he strengthened himself in the Lord, and he asked the Lord a real simple question. Lord, should I go get those guys and get our stuff back? And the Lord said, yep, go get them. You'll catch them. You'll get everything back. And so he told the people, yeah, amen. He told those guys, listen, the Lord's told me. I guess they figured, well, we'll give you one more shot. At least it's a shot at getting the family back. But David, I can imagine, what I'm telling you right now, if we don't get those guys, I'm going to stab you in the back. I'm going to kill your heart if we don't get my family back. I can imagine one of those guys, more than one telling that. So those men went and pursued, and it says they got everybody back. Okay? And about that time, Saul, the king, was killed by the Philistines in a war. Okay? About, about all this time, this is all happening about the same time. And then David, the Bible says, asked the Lord a question, another question. See, God wants you to ask him some questions about stuff. He don't want you jumping in every fight. He don't want you to jump here, jump there. He wants you to ask him before you do stuff. 
Lord, am I supposed to be involved in this? No, don't be involved in it. Yes, be involved in it. You know, that's a good way to live your life. Instead of being reactionary, ask God the question, and God will give you the answer. And so he said, should I go up to Hebron? And the Lord said, go to Hebron. David went to Hebron. That was sort of the capital of one tribe, Judah. And it says when he got there that those men, the elders, went to David and said, David, we want you to be our king. This is not all of Israel. This is one little tribe that says, you are bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. You be our king. Now, I want you to get the point. David had just went through major rejection. He went through major rejection the first time he was anointed. Hell, forget him. He's the least of us. We're not bringing him into the family gathering. Are y'all following this? So those men anointed David to be king of Judah. And the Bible says that he reigned for seven years. But even though Saul was dead, Saul's sons were still alive. The rest of the Israel were following Saul's son as the king. And so there was a war that went on for seven years. The Israel, the rest of Israel continued to reject David. And it says, the Bible says an interesting thing. It says the house of David, everybody say house of David. I love that. The house of David grew stronger and stronger. And the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. And finally, the rest of Israel came and said to David, you're our king. And they anointed him. That was his third anointing. Now, if you really study the Bible, you can sort of see there's this pattern that happens in people's lives. And here's what the pattern is. You're going to go through some hard stuff in your life. Apostle Paul is a really great example of that. He had three anointings. Paul did. Can I tell you about those right quick? Y'all all right? Here's what happened to Paul. He was on the road to Damascus. Was it Damascus? Help me. So if I say something wrong, tell me. Scott, you can tell me if I say something wrong, okay? Scott knows everything. <laughs> There's nothing he don't know. You can ask him anything in the Bible, he'll tell you what page it's on. <laughs> oh, that's on the page on the right side of the page down at the bottom. <laughs> now that we have iPhones, he's kind of messed up because <laughs> he doesn't have an iPhone. <laughs> I'm just messing up. <laughs> All righty. So he was on this road going to kill some people, put them in jail, Christians. He got knocked off his horse, y'all know it, saw a blind man, went, he was blinded by God. God blinded him. That's terrible, isn't it? In the New Testament, God blinded a man. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I'll take that blinding, Lord. Okay? And so he gets to this town. There was a man. I forgot the man's name. Ananias. The Lord spoke to him. Go anoint Saul. Uh-uh, I'm not anointing that guy, Lord. No, sir, I am not anointing him. I know why he's here. He said, no, you go anoint him. He's a chosen servant of mine. He's a chosen vessel who will testify men. So he goes and prays for Saul, and these things fall off in his eyes. That was his first anointing. And so Paul immediately begins to preach. Okay? And the problem was, is nobody liked his preaching. He got in so much trouble, they were trying to kill him. So they lowered him down a wall in a basket and said, Please leave. Please, Saul, get out of our lives. This is the church. You're causing us trouble. You're going to get us killed. Please get away from us. And it says, Paul went off to Arabia. And it says the church had peace. That's what the Bible says. Paul went out to write the church. Oh, God, thank you that man's out of here. He was going to get us thrown out of the country. 
And Paul disappears for a period of 14 years. He was gone, right, Scott? Scott's agreeing it was 14. <laughs> he was gone out of sight, out of sight, because nobody liked him. He's in Arabia doing something in the desert. He's not in the move of God. He's not popular. Nobody's asking him to speak. Nobody's signing up for his iPad or, or his, what do you call Podcast. Nobody. We don't want to hear your podcast. It's from the devil. I can imagine a lot of Christians saying, you're from the devil, Paul. You've got to be from the devil. You know? So one day there's a move of God that starts in a church called Antioch. It was a Gentile church. And a man named Barnabas remembered Paul, who was still Saul. And it says he went and got him. Like, hey, this guy will thrive in this environment. I can imagine. I'm going to go get him and bring him here. The Holy Spirit's here. Maybe, maybe the, or maybe he was thinking, I'm going to get that guy because he made such a mess. Maybe God can do something over here. Just take him in here and throw him into the presence of God, and God will do something miraculous in his life. That's a positive spin. So he gets him and brings him there. And the Holy Spirit's moving. And the Holy Spirit spoke. Set aside Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called him to do. And they laid hands on him. Now he went from being a reject to being sent out by the church as a missionary. Okay? And so they go out, him and Barnabas. Actually, it's Barnabas and Saul. They go out. And they start preaching and doing all this stuff. Okay? And then something happened. They went to this one place, and there was this guy. They call I think Bar-Jesus is what they call him. He was a powerful warlock. Very powerful, okay? I mean, really powerful. He had everybody locked down spiritually there. And Paul was there. At that time, he was still Saul. It was Barnabas and Saul. And he saw this warlock and saw what he was doing. And Paul said, uh, I'm not going to put up with that now. And he went after this guy. And there was like a big showdown between God and the devil through this Bar-Jesus dude and, and Saul. And, of course, we know who won. He put the hiatus on him. Kicked his butt good. Tarred and feathered him. Told him he needed to go get some things right in his life. And he'd talk to him later. And then, you know, next thing it says about in the Bible, it says, Paul and his company. Y'all getting this? You're going to have to go through some stuff about this anointing. So you see that in the life of David that every time he got anointed, there was some rejection or some difficulty that he had to walk through. Okay? You can see that in the life of Paul. And if we could study the life of a lot of Christians from history, you would see this thing happening over and over and over. You can study a lot of people. You see them go through the hard stuff, but you don't see the anointing. Okay? My point in saying this to you is there's got to be people in this room where God is trying to tell you something this morning. He's trying to say, you've gone through this. You've been rejected. You've suffered loss. You've suffered pain. There's an anointing for you. It's a promotion for you. God wants to anoint people. He is looking for people who can stand up out of their ashes. Okay? Literally, stand up out of the ashes of their life and say, Lord, I don't have anything to offer you today. I have zero to offer you. I got worship. I'm going to worship you. No, that's it. I think, I think when people come to that place, they are dead on. They're in God's attention on them. 
but he's looking to anoint people, to give people a fresh anointing. Because how could we go through the sorrows and difficulties that we've gone through and not come in to the anointing that God has for us? How could we not? And how and the way we not go through it is because, you know, we live in disappointment. We live in discouragement. We live in bitterness. We live in brokenness. And we wallow in it. And we feed on it. Instead of like, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. I'm going to find God in the middle of this. If I don't find Him nowhere else, I'm going to find Him in here. I'm going to do that. That's what, he, that's what David did. Paul could have, when Barnabas went down it again, like, no, I'm not going to do that because, you know, that last time I was with those people, you know, I just got wounded and I got hurt, and I'm just not going to do that no more. I'm not going to make myself vulnerable no more. Y'all have heard all. Everybody said, people have said that. I've been hurt. You know, when I put my heart out there, I'm not going to put it out no more. I'll, you know, you, everybody, people have said that, right? I've probably said it. Probably. I'm sure I've said it. I'm not doing this no more. You know. And I just think God really wants us not to do that. I think he's asking people, don't do that. I think he's asking people, I want to anoint you. But I can't anoint you if you... You do that. That's that's my way of saying it. So, Amen. Amen. So I just want to pray and ask the Lord to help us. Be help us, help us, Lord. You. Becky said to stand up. Yeah. Um. The Lord was sharing something with me this morning and I just really feel like it connects with Byron saying you know the part where he was saying that we would our response to the Lord would be here I am send me um I had this experience at the shower we had a baby shower for Amy Underwood yesterday I had this experience and the Lord was reminding me of it I had I was doing something and a child walked up behind me and she put her arms around me and I thought to myself but the way she did it was like she was mine. And I thought to myself, my kids aren't here. And, but I turned around to see who it was, and it was Charlie Claire. And, um, and the, the feeling I had from her was, and the Lord was reminding me of this this morning because he was saying to me, there's a response that comes in my heart when you wrap your arms around me and you say, you're mine. Because what was happening was Charlie Claire, it's like she had this response to me like, I know I'm yours. I am yours. And I was thinking, you know, since, since she was little, her mom and I have always said to her, talked to her when she was little about the fact that we were best friends when we were little and, and, and all the way through. And, and I ha- this response was coming out of my heart when she, it's like she was choosing me, okay? She was choosing me, you know, and where Byron was saying, we have that choice with the chosen part, you know. It's like the Lord is, and when, when it says, wait on the Lord and he'll renew your strength and you will mount up on wings of eagles, when you look at that wait part, it's you wrap yourself in him. It's not a thing of just, you know, waiting with no, it's, it's you wrapping yourself 
in the Lord. You know, and I just felt like the Lord was saying, wrap yourself in me and there's going to be a response that's going to come out of me towards you. You know what I mean? It's like there's going to be an exchange here, you know. And what Charlie Claire was doing was as if she was mine, she was saying, oh, I know you're your, I'm yours. I'm yours. You know, I am yours. And, it's, and it caused this thing in me to be like, oh, you're mine. And grab her up, you know, because it, it, it caused a response to come out of my heart toward her. You know, and I just feel like if we can just say to the Lord, here I am. And I feel like it's a thing we'll do daily, daily. We just got, have the opportunity to say to the Lord, here I am, Lord, today afresh here i am send me whatever it is you have for today here i am you know and as we wrap ourselves in the lord there really is a response that's coming out of his heart toward us it will cause there will be a move the lord is is moving towards us he's it calls a a response in him as we wrap ourselves in him so that's really right on let's do that song that we're playing you're playing we're playing it right we're here <laughs> yeah and we'll let the ministry team come up <clears throat> and as you worship the lord if you want to come up here and get prayer or if you just want to say to the lord here i am lord or say to the lord this morning lord i'm gonna give you my worship in spite of my life in spite of my disappointment in spite of my circumstances whatever you know I mean, I say worship because that's really meaningful to me is just to give him myself like that. If you'd like somebody to pray for you, we'd do that. Father, we just pray today for this fresh anointing, the anointing that comes into our lives and makes us what we are, that gives us that hunger for you, gives us that desire for you, that equips us, that enables us, Lord, that we would love your presence. Anoint us to love your presence, to be aware of your presence. We ask you for that today, Lord. Anoint us that we would love the Holy Spirit and pay attention to what he's doing, Lord. We just ask you for that, Jesus. Amen. So if you want to come up now and let's do that.